Thank you all for being here this morning. We pray that uh, you that came, you'll, be, you'll come and get what you've been looking for. And we pray that it's out of the Word of God. Amen. And uh, we want to be a help to you in a spiritual way to help you live your life for Christ and to honor Him for all your life. Amen. We always, well, always talk about people getting saved, but we want folks to get saved and then serve. Amen. Serve the Lord. He's worthy to be served. And I pray that you love him this morning. I pray that you're here to serve him and to worship him. We've been preaching out of Ruth uh, in a series, and we preached last week on Ruth or out of Ruth. We'll be back in Ruth this morning, so you can turn to Ruth chapter 1. And we preached on Imelech, uh, the father of the, uh, the two sons, and then, of course, the husband of Naomi. And this morning, I like to preach on Naomi this morning out of this passage. If you don't, uh, the Lord be helped to us to do that. As we stand to our feet one more time this morning in honor of his word, we pray that we'll begin reading in verse 6. Uh, we'll read down to verse 15. Last week, we preached from verse 1 to verse 5. Here in verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, her two daughters-in-law with her. They went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with thy dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye might find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb? That there be your husbands turn again my daughters go your way for I am too old to have a husband if I should say I have hope if I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons would you tarry for them till they be grown would you stay for them for having a husband nay my daughters for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me and they lifted up their voice and wept again in Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, and Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we come to you, Lord, with an humbled heart, a submissive heart. God, desiring to know your word and your will. God, seeking God this morning, Everything in the Word of God that would bring to our lives, to bring to our hearts, bring to our minds, that God would make a, uh, us bring to a, come to a place of conviction. God, I ask you, God, to show us our sin. God, show us, Lord, dear God, we have crossed ways with you. Lord, we failed you, Lord, where we've been cold and indifferent, Lord. And, Father, how far that we've come and how far that we are. Father, as we think about Naomi this morning, we think about the distance she is with God. And we pray, Lord, that there's anybody in this room, God, that's here this morning, God, they're just cold. God, they're just hard. God, they're backslidden. God, they are far away from the Lord. God, they haven't been living for you, Lord. They haven't been loving you. They haven't been worshiping you, Lord. God, they haven't been obedient and faithful. We pray this morning, God, they'd come back right now in this hour and this time. Father, we're praying now, Lord, you take the word of God and do work within our hearts with it. Thank you for the spirit of God that might bring conviction. God may bring pricking to our hearts today. Father, do something with our homes. Do something in our lives. Do something with our children. God, do something in the world in which we live today. Father, have your way now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. It might be said, I guess the title of it could be, uh, there's probably many titles or thoughts that we could have toward Naomi this morning, but it might be, how did we get here? Uh, how did we find ourselves in verse uh, 6 with Naomi? 
We'll got to go up just a little bit to do that. And I want to say, number one, in the way of introduction this morning, kind of to prepare our minds and our hearts to find out uh, how did she get here. You ever wondered that? You ever come to the place in your life, you might be sitting at home, sitting in your rocking chair, sitting in your uh, dining table, maybe driving down the road, maybe cutting grass, maybe cleaning the house, and you, you look at your life, you look where you are, you look where you've been, and you say, how did I get here? I mean, what in the world? Uh, I am where I am. What happened? It didn't seem to go as I thought. It didn't seem to go as I planned. Uh, it didn't seem to go as I wanted it to go. And, and I need to know, I guess, to my own self is what happened. I would think this morning that Naomi would be asking that question in verse 6. But in order for us to get past verse 6, we're going to go back to verse 1. And say this about Naomi this morning is, it was the decision of her husband. The decision of her husband. Do you know, husbands, your decisions make a difference in the home? Do you know, husbands, your decisions have brought great harm or great happiness? Your decisions have brought suffering or has brought healing? Your decisions matter today. They matter in all the family. They matter in the spouse whom you married. Uh, they matter in uh, what you do and what you say and how you act and behave and has an effect. To the smallest child to the oldest has an effect to all the people that know you, your friends and family alike. It affects your church. It affects your community. It affects your work. Decisions of the Father of the husband we find he made a decision in verse one we find that the decision that he made was to leave the house of bread that was a bad decision that was a wrong decision that wasn't a decision that was healthy or helpful to his family another decision that he made was not only to leave the house of bread but the decision he made is to come to the place of waste at moab now, how can you do that this morning? Leave the place of bread, leave the house of bread to come to the place of waste. We find that sin was in Israel. We find that Israel was full of sin. You'll find that in Judges because we're talking about the same time. Matter of fact, verse 25 of the last chapter of Judges, verse 21, or chapter 21 said, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. That was the way it was in Judges. If you read Judges, you'll find it wasn't a very good time. And in that, there was a sin or sin within Israel. Because of the sin came a famine. And we find that famine in chapter 1 of Ruth in verse 1. And because of the famine, there was a fleeing. And so there was a falling in sin of Israel. There was a famine uh, with sin in Israel. And then there was a fleeing from Israel in sin. And we find that when Amalek decided that he's going to make a decision for his home because he's the head of the house and he's the one of the authority of the home, he made a decision to go to Moab. And the reason why he wanted to go to Moab because in his mind and in his heart there was more in Moab than it was in Israel. And yet Moab is the land of waste. We find the decision of her husband, as that's why she's in verse 6. Number two, this, the disobedience of her husband. The disobedience of her husband. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and in verse 1, God gives us great clarity about what we ought to do and what he should have done. I'll read it to you this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Gersites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when thy Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, and nor show any mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter that thou shalt not give his son to son, and his daughter thou shalt not take unto thy son. 
For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. That's not the only place, but many other places is speaking that once I get you to the promised land, you stay. There is no reason why you are going to leave the promised land. I have came and I have brought you from Egypt all the way to the promised land. I have took out the pagans. I have taken out the heathens. I have brought you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Uh, once you're at the place of the promised land uh, where they were, I will provide for you. I will take care of you. I will protect you. And I'll be your God and you'll be my people. But when a famine came, Emelech came, decided he's going to make a decision. And in that decision was a disobedience unto God. And he went to a pagan land. He left the land of God, he left the land of promise, and he went to a land of no promise. He went to a land with no God. And we find that the disobedience that he had is why you'll find Naomi in verse 6. Not only did he go to a pagan land, but he took his family to a heathen land. A land that didn't know God, a land that didn't care about God, and a land that wasn't searching God, and a land that came up against God. He took them to that land. We find thirdly in the disobedience he has, now he took them to a pagan land and took his family to a heathen land, but he left the promised land. Disobedience this morning to you that are fathers, you that are authority, you that are mothers, you that are wives, you that have some authority within the home today. Uh, disobedience today will take you out of God's will and bring you into God's wrath. Disobedience today will bring sin upon your property, upon your people, and all that you have within your home. Sin today must be taken seriously. It must be taken very, uh, uh, very uh, seriously in such a way that you must consider the consequences of the sin. Emelech, disobedience. Her husband disobeyed, and she finds herself in Moab. You see, husbands, when you disobey, the one you're really hurting is your family. We find that to be true. The decision of her husband, the disobedience of her husband. But I notice the digressing of her husband in verse 2. The Bible says in verse 2, the name of the man was Imelech. The word Imelech means my God is king. Now I want to say the digressing of her husband. We're talking about why Naomi could be right where she's at. It's because of the he lived in a godly home, Imelech did. His name meant my God is king. Now, whenever his mother and his father uh, were, were there and he was born and the mother and father gave him that name, it was out of a Jewish home. It was a home that was serving God. You don't name your child Imelech, my God is king, if they don't know the king. You don't name your children, my God is king, if they're not following and loving the God of Israel. You're not, you don't give your children names that have meanings and names that have, have some sort of a proof or some sort of a identity about their relationship with God, and they show forth that relationship by naming him Imelech, and we find that Imelech has digressed. He lived in a godly home, a godly Israelite home. We find, number two, that he married a godly wife. When he married Naomi, she's an Israelite. Her name means grace. And when he married her, he married grace. In marrying her, he, met, he married a woman who rose up in a, in a home of Israelites, a home that knew the God of Israel, the home that worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was a God that, in which they knew as a child. And when she married Imelech, Imelech knew God as a child. And together they became husband and wife in God whom they loved and whom they served digressing we find that he married a godly wife he lived in a godly home and then he dwelt as a godly family in bethlehem judea we find that that's where they came from there in verse 2 we know that as a family that was that was Imelech, that was naomi and that was their two sons and in Bethlehem, Judea, they worshiped God. They served the Lord because that's what you do in the land of the promised land. We find he digressed. 
he digressed not only because from his way of his being born in the way of him being married in the way that he raised his family there in Bethlehem but we notice that he led his family in an ungodly way we notice that verses 1 and verse 2 that there was no prayer about leaving there was no prayer there was no prayer about hey what do we do we're in a famine. How do we get where we need to go? Do we stay? Do we leave? Uh, what's going to be best for my family? What's going to be helpful for my family? Uh, what The decision that I need to make, is it going to draw my family closer to God? The decision I'm going to make, is it going to bring my family with God? Will God be pleased and will God bless my home and bless my family? You see, Father, decisions are decisions and you've got to pay attention. And every move and every decision and everything that you're going to do in a home as a husband and wife and as a mother and father is that is it going to bring my children unto God? Well, he, he led them in an ungodly way. Not one prayer is even mentioned. We don't see nothing about prayer. I wonder, are you praying with your family, dear husband? Dear Father, I wonder, do you take them at night and do you take them in the evening and, and do you... Take the Word of God and, and show them things of the Lord and pray over them and pray with them and pray through whatever they're going through. There was no prayer about leaving. There was no prayer about staying. There was no prayer about uh, anything. It was silent about God. It was silence for God. It was silence with God. And the Bible says in verse 2, the last two words, and continue there. And so they left Bethlehem, Judea. They get to Moab, the land of waste. And not one mention of God is even mentioned. I wonder, do we do that as a family today? Do we do that today as a way of life? That we go to work and we move here and we go there and we get this job and we get that job and we land over here on South Houston, land over here on the North and land over here and do this and do that. And we don't even pray. We don't even seek God. We don't ask God, God, would this be better for my family? Would this be better for my home? Would this draw us unto God? Where's the place of worship that we go and lift up the name of Jesus? Would this cause our family to be where God wants us to be? Is this the will of God? Is this the way of God? God, I just want to know it ain't about the decision. It's about are you in it? Do you want me to do what you want me to do? We find that Emelech, he led his family in an ungodly way. We see number three, or number four, knowing the digression and the disobedience and the decision. But I notice the damage of her husband. We see that in verse 2. As they continue there, and then in verse 3, Emelech, Naomi's husband, died. So now what's the damage of her husband? Well, now, she's spouseless. Where is she spouseless? In Moab. Where is Moab? It's a wasteland. How did she get there? The decision and disobedience and the digression of her husband. That's how she got there. In a land that knows not her God and the land where her God is not. Now she, her leader's gone, her authority's gone, the one who protected her and provided for her, the one that said, I'll be with you until death do us part. And now she's by herself. She's a widow. Can you imagine you that are women in here this morning and be taken to a foreign land with a foreign people, with a foreign God? And you don't know anybody. Nobody knows you. And you take off to that land. And then next thing you know, the one who brought you into this land is now dead. Where do you turn to? Who do you talk to? I mean, he hasn't talked. We haven't prayed. We haven't discussed God. We haven't discussed the Word of God. We haven't discussed anything about the Lord. We don't have prayer time. We don't have Bible time. We don't have God time. We don't have anything. And now he's gone. Pretty scary, isn't it? Pretty fearful. We find here, not only she's spouseless, but I notice that uh, she is... Uh, the children now are left fatherless. Fatherless. 
There's some children here this morning. I'd hate for their fathers to die. That would be a heartbreak into the hearts. That would be a leadership deficiency. It would be something now the wife would have to take on as an additional responsibilities and roles to, to be able to chastise now and to guide and to lead and, and to let them know which way to go and how to get there. Much pressure and much burdens upon the heart of that mother now and that wife. We find danger. We find the damage that her husband has caused. She's now spouseless. She's now fatherless. He left his family godless because they lived according to his lifestyle. Do you know that? That majority of homes today, that they live according to the man's lifestyle. They live according to what they want to do. They live according to how they want to live. They get up in the morning and say, hey, listen, let's go on to the park. And let's go walk in the park. And the wife says, well, you know, I really like to go to church. And the kid says, yeah, let's go to the park. We're going to the park. I'm the man. You know how that is. The man gets up in the morning and says, hey, honey, we're going to church this morning. And she said, I've been wanting to go to church for a whole year. Now you decide to want to go to church. Yeah, I want to go to church. Guess what they do? They go to church. The man has a great power and great authority in the home today. You know that. But there's great damage you cause. And now we find that she, Naomi, is spouseless. The sons are fatherless. And the family is godless. They continue there. We find they lived according to their learning. They learned from their father. They learned from their husband. The sons there in this verse, and the verse 4, they marry Moab women. We see they took themselves and wives of the woman of Moab. And as they married the Moab women, exactly what God said not to do, but Imelech didn't really care about what God said to do. He's going to do what he wanted to do, right? Because he was in the days of Judges, and they did what was right in their own eyes. And Imelech, who knew God but did not follow God. Uh, he made decisions and disobedience and damages. And, and now we find that he has created and caused uh, such a problem within the home uh, uh, that they don't even have any way of knowing what to do. So what they do is they do what's right in their own eyes and they marry women that God said don't marry. Now here's Naomi. What's she going to tell her husband, tell her sons? You can't marry them. She's not the enforcer. What's she going to tell her sons? Hey, listen, you know, uh, Daddy, uh, he, he didn't obey God in Bethlehem, Judea, and he brought us on down to Moab, but I want you to obey God. We ain't talked about God in a long time, but that doesn't matter. We know that God said that. How hypocritical that is. See, you can't teach your children, uh, dear mom and, and dear spouse, and lead out your children where your husband didn't live it. You can't tell your sons to obey God when your husband's not obeying God. You can't put your foot down and say, okay, sons, you're going to do what I say, and that is we're going to serve the Lord, and they're going to look at you and say, Daddy didn't serve the Lord. It's important. <laughs> I'll get to the message in a minute. I'm trying to get through this introduction. I noticed the, the sons married the woman of Moab, and then the mother remained in Moab for ten years. You see that there in verse 4? And they dwelt there about ten years. We're talking about damage. Naomi remained in Moab about ten years. That's a long time. That's a long time to be wrong with God. It's a long time to be out of the will of God. It's a long time to be able not to have a relationship with God. It's a long time. It's a long time that she did. Now, why would she stay in, in the Moab after her husband has died with her sons now and their wives? Well, it would say like this, that she stayed in Moab because her children were there. Now, how many of us this morning 
can be honest with ourselves and say we do what we do because of our children. Huh? I could just imagine Naomi as Nimelech died. She said, boy, I need to go back to Bethlehem, Judea. That's home for me. That's home. I, I want to go back. This is before the 10 years. And I, want, I need to go back. And then the son said, Mama, we can't go back. I'm in love with this Ruth. I'm in love with this old Ophrah. Mama, we can't go back. We've got to stay. And she says, no, I want to go back. The kid said, we're not going back. Well, you know, the parents today, they worship their kids. The parents today are led by their children. Today, the parents today do what their children say. Today, the, the children are in the, are the very guards and the very ones who are authority in the homes today. They go where they want to go, do what they want to do, and they live like they want to live. And mom and daddy says, well, you know, I tried my best. No, you didn't. And we find here this morning she stayed in Moab for about ten more years because her children were there. And many of us today are the shapes we're in spiritually because we followed our children. We followed them to the ballpark when we should have went to the church. We followed them to the dance when we didn't go to the church. We followed them down to the O activity down at school when we should have took them to the church. We followed them over here. We followed them over there. They swung us over there. They swung us over here. We couldn't pay tithes and offerings and give the mission. Because we had to pay for a football helmet. We had to pay for a baseball bat. Because we had to pay for ballerina shoes. And you know what? Our children has brought us to the place where we are. And forever because we didn't want to be parents. Now we didn't want to be a mother. So let's go back to Bethlehem, Judea. She stayed there 10 more years. Because her sons were there. Amen, Brother Larry. It gets tough, don't it? We find this morning she stayed because her children were there. She stayed because her home was there. See, Emelech brought her there and built a home. He died, and now her home is there instead of in Bethlehem, Judea. So she just had to stay here. You know, it's just easier that way. It's just less resistant this way. It, it's, I've done been here for 10 years now, and, and my, the, the time that before it mentions doesn't mention any much time. It says continue there. Uh, so we don't know of the years there, but we know it's at least 10 years. And she said, you know what? I've been here 10 years, and I got this little home, and my children are married now, and, and the, you know, soon they're going to have children, and we're just going to be a happy little family out here in Moab. And you know what? It's just easier this way. It's just less resistant this way. It just seems to be more, it's just cool. This way. It's home. And so she stayed. We find she might have stayed because of her sons, because it was home, but then she stayed really because that's where her heart was. She wanted to stay. She wanted to stay in the wasteland of Moab where no God was and where there's no worship of the Lord. And she wanted to stay there. And her husband. Who made decisions and disobedience and caused damage and has brought to the place where she's at now. Now she's been there 10 years without him. And now she's the authority of the home. And her heart is just saying, let's just stay here. Her heart. We get to verse 6. Naomi say, how did I get here? I don't understand pretty much what's going on. You know, it just seemed like it's a blink. I just remember getting married to Imelech. I just remember us having two children. I just remember us loading up and going to Moab. And I just remember him dying. And now I remember my sons, they're married. And we're here in Moab. Time went by so fast. Things got away from us quickly. Now we are where we are. Naomi called not on the Lord, not one time in those 10 years. Not one time did she pray. Not one time did we see any worship of the Lord. Not one time did she go and pray with her sons and say, Sons, can we pray about this wife thing? Are you sure this is what God wants in our lives, that you marry a pagan woman? You're God's people. 
You come out of the Israelites, and we're not to marry anyone except of our own. And, and let's pray about this. Let's seek the Lord. Not one time. Not one time do we see Naomi seek God about whether she ought to leave or go or stay. You know, she could have left back to Bethlehem, Judea at the day that her husband died. Go back. She didn't. She stayed. She could have lived for God in those ten years after Emelech died. She lived for God before Emelech left Bethlehem, Judea. And then after he died, she didn't live for God either. She lived just like he lived. That's what happens, isn't it? You get married. You serve the Lord. You live for God. You marry a guy who don't really serve the Lord, don't really care too much about God. But you think he's going to change. He tells you, listen, when we get married, I go to church with you. When we get married, I read the Bible with you. When I get married, I'll, I'll lead you through the Scripture. When, you get, when we get married, I'll protect you and provide for you. When you get married, I'll, I'll help you along the way. But until we get married, you know, I'm just going to come whenever I can. And, and we'll read whenever we want to read. And, and we'll go out and do a little bit of drinking here, a little bit of cussing here, a little bit of drugging here, a little bit of dancing here, a little bit of rodeo here, a little bit of ball here, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you say, well, I don't really want to do all that. Thing I didn't grow up that way. I wouldn't talk that way. I was taught against that kind of stuff. He says, "Listen, a little bit won't hurt you." And you're saying, "Listen, I don't think this is right, but I love the old fella." I don't know. He just got my heart, and he told me he'll change when we get married. And so you get married. And next thing you know, you find yourself out of your way of life that you were brought up. Now, he is not in church. Now, he's about to probably come to church ever so often, whenever he wants to. He doesn't read the Bible with you. He don't pray with you. He don't lead for you. He say, well, I need some more money. He says, you go get a job. <laughs> yeah, I want you to watch our three babies, and I want you to clean the house, and I want you to make sure I got clean clothes, and I want that floor to be clean. I want the, the house to be straightened up, and I want everything to be nice, and I want everything to be good, and I want you to take care of the three babies. I need you to get them here, there, and all. I come home from work. I'm tired. I sit in my chair. I drink my, my tea, and I just relax and say I'm the king of the house while my wife is my mother, and, she, and she's, my, she's my cleaner, and she's my gardener, and she's my janitor, and she's all these things. You say, boy, how did I get here? You got here just like Naomi did. Just like Naomi did. So we kind of recap so we can understand it. But now the damage is done, right? The damage is done. My first point this morning. I want you to notice the devastation of Naomi. She's devastated. She's devastated. We find verse 3, the Bible says she was left. That's devastation. Verse 5, the Bible says, and the woman was left. Verse 3, her husband dies. And verse 5, her sons are dead. Devastated. But what's even worse than that this morning is in her devastation. Although her husband died, she was left. And her children died, and she was left. But she's out of the will of God. Verse 3, she buries her husband in a foreign place. Can you imagine how hard that would be, dear wife? For y'all in Bethlehem, Judea, come to Moab, and he dies, and you have to bury him in a pagan place, a foreign place. That had to be tough. Devastation. Number two, she raises her children with a foreign philosophy in Moab. It's a total different philosophy than in Bethlehem, Judea. Number one, they have the wrong religion. They worship false gods. That's what she had to face. Number two, they had the wrong culture. They're pagan and heathen. Their culture is wicked and ungodly. She had to raise them up in that. She had to raise them up in the wrong morals. The Word of God is very clear and that 
out of Genesis all the way down to Leviticus and to Deuteronomy about how to live, how to take on the manners of the heathen people, how to carry on with God, how to do this, how to do that. Don't do this, do that. The Bible lays out very clearly how to live for God. Now she's now in Moab, and they have wrong morals. It's like our world today. Moab is a picture of our world in which we live today. Is that now they have to be raised with the philosophy of the world. The world's religion, the world's culture, and the world's morals. Devastation. Devastation. She buries her husband in a foreign place. She raises her children with a foreign philosophy. She marries her sons to a foreign people. Can you imagine Naomi having to marry her sons to pagan, heathen, ungodly, God-hating people? Knowing that her sons, who has been born out of a Jewish home and a Jewish family, who came from Bethlehem, Judea, and both of them lived a godly life as they were young children and got married with the mindset of living a life for God and then moved to Moab, and now their sons are in Moab and married pagan, ungodly girls. That's heartbreaking. That's like you and I this morning who live, in, live for Jesus and we live for Christ and we raise our children up in the house of God and, and we do all that we can in order to direct them and steer them away from this world and to direct them unto the God in whom we love and whom we trust today. And they come home with a girl and says, Mom and Dad, I want to marry this girl, but she doesn't know Jesus. And you say, I can't accept that. Now there's a rift between the son and now the parents. A daughter comes home and says, Mom and Dad, I found the man of my life. He's blonde hair, blue eyes. He's six foot three. He's a football player. And he's got it all together. He's shaped like a rock. He told me he's going to build a big house on a hill someplace. And he's going to go to work every day. And he's going to give me everything that I want, everything that I need. He's going to bear us three or four or five children. We're going to live the life of our dreams. But he doesn't go to church and he doesn't know the Lord. And the parents got to say, I can't accept that. But see, when you raise your children in this world and you don't teach them anything different, you're going to face that. We find Naomi in a place of devastation. She buried her husband. She married her children. She raised them. But then she buries her sons by a foreign problem. In verse 5, she buries her sons. Now here's the problem. Now she's inherited two daughters-in-law. Two daughters-in-law that don't even know her God. That don't care about her Lord. That has no, no clue about where she come from or who God is. She's got now, her sons are gone, her husband is gone. Now she's got two women that she's known for ten years now. But has no idea who God is. They have the morals of Moab. They have the culture of Moab. They got the religion of Moab. And Naomi. Grace. Now she's got a problem on her hands. Emelech. Two sons. Now they leave mama. Ain't that the way it usually works? Usually when it works, when it's all shakes down, when it's all settled out, it's poor little mama. That's the face, the burden of family. Isn't that right? Most time old daddy done got kicked up and got his horse and took out and ran out of town. Most time, Fred, uh, those old guys who come in tough, come in mouthing, come in blowing smoke, come in uh, talking this nonsense and shaking and baking. Fred, when things start going down, they start going out. I've seen so many mamas with kids, so many mamas with burdens, so many mamas having to carry on two or three jobs, so many mamas you talk to them and they got the burdens of the family going wrong, the children being rebellious, the children being stubborn, the finances are short, it just seems like nothing's working out. Well, where's the husband at? I don't know. And here's Naomi again with a great burden upon her heart. She has two daughter-in-laws that are pagan. Devastation. I wonder back in Bethlehem, Judea, oh, some maybe 12 years ago, whenever she hooked up with Bethlehem, with old, with old Amalek, 
and their two sons that got on that old, got on that old, I guess it, it might have been, uh, you know, an Israelite uh, chariot or something like that, or the, the, the Israelite U-Haul. You know, here they got all their stuff on that dude, and they got them horses or donkeys or cows or, or, or whatever it was that they were pulling that thing, and here they trucking along down to go to Moab. They probably say, yeah, it's going to be better over there. It's going to be better than old Bethlehem, Judea. And my husband's on my side kissing me on the cheek. I love you, honey. I'm glad you're going with me. Everything's going to be just fine. Everything's going to work out good. And the sun's over there playing. Yeah, Daddy, we're going to a new place. We're going to go to a fun place. We're going to go somewhere we've never been before. And 12 years later, here's Naomi. Devastated. Devastated. And that's what happens to us in life when the guys and the people who's in authority make bad decisions and they're disobedient with God. They bring great damage to the home. They cause devastation to come to those who are survivors. We find she's out with these two daughter-in-laws or two pagan women. They're two problematic women and they're two poor women. Because the breadwinners are dead. So now, now Naomi has financially responsibility for them. Now she has accountability for them. Now she's the one who's carrying on all of everything that her son should be carrying and her husband should be carrying. And then what she should be carrying herself is all upon her. She's out of the will of God. When you get out of the will of God, this what's take place. Devastation. Some of you are out of the will of God today. You know you are. You know you're not right with God. You know you're not living right. You know, you know you're not being obedient to God. You know you're disobedient to your parents. You know that you're rebellious towards them. You know that you're not right with your spouse. You know uh, that you're not living for God fully and completely and entirely. You know you don't read your Bible and pray with them. You know you don't lead your family to church. You're not right with God, and God knows, and you know, and they know. But tell you your future, though, devastation. Keep on going that way. You'll find yourself in a place of devastation. Now, I notice that she's out of the will of God, but I notice she's out of the way of God. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, And the Lord visited his people in giving them bread. She's out of the way of God. And when you get out of the will of God, you get out of the way of God. And when you get out of the way of God, you're in the wrong way. I want you to notice how sin always puts us out of the way. Sin will always put you out of the way of God. So what happened to my marriage? Sin. What happened to my children? Sin. What happened to my finances? Sin. What happened to the good old family we had when everybody was back happy? Now nobody's happy. Sin. We find that sin always puts us out of the way. Evil always puts us out of the way. Wrong always puts us out of the way. It sends us out of the way. It makes us out of the way. See, she missed the visitation of God at home. You say, well, how do you know that's her home? Well, she says it's her home uh, uh, there in the Scripture. The Bible says, look at verse 21 of chapter 1. It says, I went out full, and the Lord brought me home again empty. Where's home? Bethlehem, Judea. That's her real home. That's where she should be. That's where she should be living. That's where she should be at all times, back home. But she's not there. She's in Moab. Though we find that she said uh, that we have now heard, I have heard now, that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. And so she missed the visitation of God. You know why she missed the visitation of God? Because she's out of the way. You know why you'll miss the visitation of God? You know why you'll miss the presence of God? You know why you'll miss the God coming upon maybe your wife or maybe your children or maybe a friend or maybe a neighbor where God came upon them and God blessed them and God met with them and God encouraged them and strengthened them and used them and brought them to a place of living for God and you missed it because you're out of the will of God and out of the way of God because of sin. So all... She heard. 
And every time when you're out of the will of God and out of the way of God, you're always going to hear about when God did something to somebody. Right? Your family members say something to you. Boy, I tell you what, the other day at church, we heard a message and God got a hold of so-and-so and they got saved. Uh, you know what? The other day, I seen so-and-so. They were drunk. They were a wife beater. They were a filthy mouth. I tell you, God got a hold of that soul. God got a hold of that man. And now he comes home every day. He loves his family, loves his children. He goes to work. And, friend, he is something different than ever. All you ever hear about that, hear about that, hear about that. You never experience it. But you always hear about it. That's where Naomi's at. And that's where you'll always be at. Yeah, we're sitting in here. Somebody's up here with a songbook, and they're singing away. Jesus loves me. This I know. And you're over going, Jesus loves me. This I know. And you look up and you say, why does that guy seem like he's got so much energy? Why does this guy always seem like he's got some happiness about him? I mean, every time I come in here, he's just a singing. He's moving. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Hey, man, preacher. That's glory. Hallelujah. Keep on preaching. He walks out of here, got a smile on his face, shake your hand. Good to see you. I'll be back here tonight at 6 o'clock. Boy, wasn't God good? And you're walking out here all disgruntled, angry, mad, frowning on your face, thinking, it ain't me. Something wrong with that guy. Right? I'll tell you why. Because all you ever going to do is hear about it. And that's what she did. She heard about it. She missed the visitation of God at home. She missed the victory with God at, at the home and she missed the vision of God at home there at home they were trusting in God they were waiting on God God said he'll provide for them and they did they were faithful to God while God had a famine out there to show them in their sin that God finally come around and brought some brought some rain or brought some food or brought whatever it took you know for the famine to be relieved and released amen and friend here's the people now in Bethlehem Judea they're raising their hands praising God God you met our needs you brought bread to the bread house you gave us what we needed we've been praying for some years now and finally you met our needs hallelujah glory to God we give victory unto thee we give you praise and honor and what's Naomi doing? She's over here in Moab, devastated. She can just hear. Friend, well, I don't know why you want to live out of the will of God. I don't know why you want to live out of the way of God. I know you're saved, but why do you want to live that way? You're missing everything, man. You're missing services. You're missing God's word. You're missing the praise. You're missing the crying. You're missing the praying. You're missing the altar calls. You're missing the altar come. You're seeing lives change. You're seeing people being different. You're seeing God move in your time. You're seeing God come down and fill our hearts. You're seeing God's people become conformed to the image of Christ. You're missing it. No wonder you're disgruntled and angry and mad and Walk around all the time like you know everything. You know nothing. Missing it. Naomi was missing it. To be there, to be there and enjoy the gift and the grace of God at home, she's not there. People out of the will of God today and out of the will of God, all they do is they just hear about the goodness of God. All they do is listen about the kindness of God. Can I say number two? Not only is the devastation of Naomi, but I want you to notice the decision of Naomi. You know, up to this point here, we're, everybody's pointing their finger at Imelech, aren't they? You old sorry rascal. You sorry rascal. I mean, here, you leave out of Bethlehem, Judea, take your family down to Moab, and you so sorry you die. <laughs> now you leave Naomi with two children, two sons. And they married some pagan women, and now, now they died, and she has pagan women she's got to be responsible for and accountable to now. Amalek, if I could see you right now, we'd have a few words. Right? Y'all feel that way? But can I say to you, in feeling that way, might be human, but Naomi made some decisions of herself. Can I say, number one, look at verse 6, the, the Bible says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Uh, the question would probably arise here, uh, what happened? Why am I here? I need to go. So she arose 
from where she is at. And if anybody wants to get right with God this morning, you're going to have to rise from where you're at. You're not going to get right with God sitting right where you're sitting. You're not going to get right with God. You're not going to come back to God. You're not going to get your heart clean with God. You're not going to have all that baggage upon you and all that burden upon you. If you just sit right here and say, I, I believe what that preacher said. I, I believe everything the Word of God said. I know he's right. I know God's right. God's bringing it to my heart, bringing it to my deal. But you don't do anything. You just listen. You're going to have to arise and be ready and desiring and deciding that I'm going to have to rise from where she's at. And verse 6 says, then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return. We find because she's followed in her lifetime up to this place. She has followed her hope. See, why now is she arising to go back home? Because she has followed her hope. You know what her hope was? When Imelech said to her, hey, honey, let's leave Bethlehem, Judea, where God wants us to be, and let's go to Moab where he don't want us to go. And she followed. Right? I'm going to tell you right now, Imelech didn't take a chain around her neck and pull her with him. He didn't say, you have to go. It's against the law. She didn't have to go. But you know, she followed the, her hope because her hope was if we ever get to Moab, it's just going to get better. Right? He, can, he, he come to a place and now she's following him. And so she's following her hope. Her hope that Moab will be better than Bethlehem, Judea. You've got to be kidding me if you think that you want to go from Bethlehem, Judea to Moab and it would be worse. That's a dumb decision, not a disobedient one. But when they left Bethlehem, Judea to go to Moab, it's going to be better there because Moab's got bread. Bethlehem, Judah don't. So her hope was it's going to be better. Her hope was it's going to be easier. Because it probably wasn't easier back in Bethlehem, Judea. You probably had to do a lot of different things because there was no bread. There's a famine, so you probably had to eat a fruit. You probably had to eat a, a vegetable. You probably had to eat on a root. You probably had to eat a leaf. You probably had to do a lot of things, right, because the famine was in the land. So it wasn't easier, but going to Moab... She said, I'm going to follow my hope, and my hope is it'll be easier in Moab. But now it's going to be better, and it's going to be easier, but it's going to be lighter. See, she followed her hope to go to Moab. That's why she got there. It ain't all Imelech. It's Naomi made a decision to follow her hope. And her hope was in Moab it would be better, easier, and lighter. Number two, she... She arose from where she was at because she has followed her heart. It was in her heart to desire to go with her husband. It was in her heart to do what she wanted to do. She wanted to go with him. And it was her decision to do what she allowed herself to do, and that is to go down to Moab knowing that it wasn't right for her. So she followed her hope. She followed her heart. And thirdly, she followed her head. I'm not talking about Imelech being her head, but she followed her head, listening to those that were advising her. Obeying those that were leading her. And going with those that were encouraging her. This is how she got there. It wasn't the family's fault. It wasn't the husband's fault. It wasn't the devil's fault. It was her decision to leave. It was her decision to continue. And it was her decision to stay. And this morning for you that are wrong with God. You're just crossways. You're backslidden. You're cold. You're indifferent. You're just like Naomi. In order for you to get back with God. You're going to have to rise from where you're at. And you have to leave where you're at. To go where God is. Where you left God is where you got to go back. You'll never be right with God. You'll never do what God has you to do. And your family will never be blessed until you go back to where you left God. You go back 
where you made decisions of disobedience and caused damage and trouble. And you go back. But in order to go back, you've got to rise from where you are and go back there. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder this morning if there's anybody like Naomi that's made some decisions in life. And man, you're paying for it. But you want to get back with God today. I want to get back with the Lord. I want to get back in God's good grace. I want to get back where God and I are on the same page. I want my family to be blessed. I want my home to be right. I want my finances to come clean. Man, listen, I just want to be right with God, me and Him. Won't you come back? You got to rise, though. You got to rise. You got to come to the place where God will meet you. You might not even be saved this morning. You don't know Jesus as Lord and as Savior. You never repented of your sin and by faith never received Him as Christ, Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe God's calling you to the ministry. Maybe God's calling you to join this church. Maybe God's moving in your heart to ask your wife to forgive you. Ask your husband to forgive you. Maybe you go to your children and say, Lord, children, I'm sorry. I've, I've really made a mess of this. But I'm coming back to God. Anybody like that this evening, this morning? One has come. Would you come? Would you come? Christians are praying. Sinners are searching. How about you today? You sing, Brother George. We'll sing one verse. Nobody comes. We'll go home. Anybody? Anybody? I just need to come back to God. I need to confess my sin. Confess my laziness. My lackadaisicalness. I've just been slothful and sluggard. I've been doing what I should be doing. and I shouldn't be leading the way I should be leading. As a wife and a mother, I should, I should have done something different, but I haven't. It's time now. It's time that we fully engage with the things of God. It's time that we get all in. And get to serving the Lord. It's time. It's time. It's time. Amen. Brother Charles, will you dismiss us here this, this morning, my brother? I'm resting on